G'day there, Signets and Swanlings. 2012 Premiership player Nick Smith here. It's my pleasure, as always, to introduce a bevy of bloods, a fan podcast of the Sydney Swans Football Club, brought to you by Noddy and Steve-O, a pair of red and white tragics. So pop on the kettle and settle in as the boys had an in-depth chat about the Swans' last game, the Swans' next game, and a little bit about footy too. This is Nick Smith signing off until next week's episode. But in the meantime, remember, be good to your bloods and they'll be good to you. Welcome back to A Bevy of Bloods for Season 2022. I am your host, Noddy, joined today by Steve-O. In this episode number 29, we're going to be reviewing the games we played as part of the preseason and have a general chat about the season ahead while we're at it. G'day, Steve-O. Welcome back to the first episode of the year. Uh, we haven't done an episode since that uh, end-of-season review last year after that very disappointing one-point loss. How have you been, mate? Yeah, it was disappointing, um, but we're moving forward. New season. I've been good. Um, all of that seems like it's a long way in the past now. And yeah, hard to believe the preseason's all done. And next time we see the Swans, it's going to be round one, two weeks, less than two. Yeah, likewise, mate. We're uh, we're all geared up for uh, rounds one and two. We've got little plugger coming along to both of them. So oh, yes, we'll, we'll storm the field for Buddy's thousandth. We got some special caps too, so... Uh, yeah, we're all looking forward to it as a family and uh, the Swans boys as well. We uh, we can't wait for it. Bit of housekeeping to kick off uh, this year. This year we're doing something a little different. We're going to be doing a review-only podcast of the seniors team uh, aiming to release early on in the week uh, and this year with revolving guests, yourself included. Uh, then via our socials on Facebook and Instagram, we're going to be releasing a team selection reaction video on Thursday nights as teams are announced as well as a few quick previews of the game uh, ahead. On top of that, uh, our good mate Chris, who runs a quick bevy with Swans fans, he'll be doing some live content on game day, chatting with other Swans fans at the pub, on the way to the ground, or even at the ground itself. So it's going to be a massive year for the Bevy of Bloods family. Uh, we're really excited about it. Um, it's a new approach, so we're going to be figuring things out as we go, but it, it should be awesome and good fun. All right, let's get into it. Uh, game one, the unofficial practice match against the Giants down in Albury. Um, Friday, 25th of Feb. Good solid crowd, 7,000, which I think was roughly the size of the uh, the the crowd against the Eagles in Geelong last year. Very ordinary broadcast quality, but uh, glad to have seen it anyway. Yeah, I know it was so patchy, wasn't it, coming in and out there. At times, I yeah, I was thinking, oh, God, am, am I going to keep watching this? But, yeah, glad I went through anyway. Um, <laughs> there were four 30-minute quarters uh, followed by those two periods of 20 minutes, which I didn't see, but you did, I think, Steve-O. I didn't realise it, it carried on, but I watched it afterwards anyway um, or at the second viewing. Um, but, yeah, they were called the fifth quarter and the sixth quarter. And, obviously, GWS won the first, second and third, and we won the fourth Tied the fifth and then they they won the sixth, uh, but eventually won by 31 points. It didn't really matter what the score was. It was more about the play and how the young players played. But uh, look, we generally seemed slower, a little less switched on, um, but we also had some good moments of play. Um, as I said, I wasn't too concerned that we got beaten, but most concerningly was, uh, was Tommy Papley's hammy. Um, you never want to have an injury in a in a practice match. But anyway, both teams were very inaccurate. Um, interestingly, though, I think you might like this one, Stebo. GWS scored the same amount of goals as behinds in all but the first quarter. So a little bit of a, a little bit a, a quirky uh, stat here. In the second, they scored 7-7. Third, they scored 10-10. Fourth, 12-12. Fifth, 14-14. And sixth, 18-18. 
I don't think you can read that. You, you, you wouldn't have predicted that. But uh, anyway, over to you, like for general thoughts. Yeah, I, I love those little quirky numbers. Um, I mean, look, in terms of these games, it's the first game of the season, it's going to be rough. Um, although we do have less of these preseason games than we've had in the past, so there's only two. So we do get a bit more of a good idea of how the side's going to look already in the first one, maybe more than when there was, you know, three-plus of these games in previous years. But look, I'm never really that bothered about how the team goes in these first ones. Um, I'm mostly just interested in which new players that have come into the club are, you know, showing their goods. Um, if there's older guys moving around in new positions... And, you know, mostly that the core of the list gets through without any injuries. So, yeah, like you said, the, the Papley injury was definitely hard to take. And, you know, it's, it's going to hurt, but there's good replacements. We've got a really strong strong amount of depth on the list. Um, but, yeah, hope to get him back as soon as possible. Um, then in terms of balance of the game, yeah, I mean, the Giants got away with a start. And after that, it was pretty even. I think the Swans got their game going. There was some good ball movement as it went on, but then pretty wasteful going forward. Um, and then after the four, you know, four quarters that you mentioned, with that was when mostly the senior players were going around. There was only a couple of kicks. I think it was 15 points difference at the end of the fourth quarter. And then I think the, the margin got blown out a little bit. There was a couple of late GWS goals in some absolute junk time at the end when it was only it was 12 versus 12 for the last period. It was just whatever reserves players could still run. And, um, <laughs> yeah, not even the umpire stuck around, actually. <laughs> but he, Jared McVeigh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think because I'm on the international broadcast, so we got to see the whole six periods in a hit and then also on the replay. So I think maybe a lot of those in Australia didn't see it. But, yeah, by the last – by the fifth period, I think it was 14 versus 14 or something. And by the final one, it was 12 versus 12. And for those final two periods, yeah, Jared McVeigh was umpiring and one of the Giants coaches was umpiring. So that was um, – that was that was how that went, and then I, I guess remember the Steve-O just on that Jared McVeigh. I saw him umpiring, and he let an absolute, uh, I think it was like a high tackle or something on a Swans player. He just like let it go, and I was like, yeah. oh come on, mate, Macca. But yeah, anyway, all good. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough job umpiring. You know, it's not as easy as it looks. Hey, eh? if a champion of the game can let some absolute howlers go, um, and yeah, the only other thing I think I really took from that first game was that it was pretty clear that the the senior players that were in those first four periods are probably the ones that are going to be looked at for round one. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, look, we'll just go through uh, some players that we thought stood out. So I'll do three and you do three, and I think we don't have overlap, so that's interesting. Um, uh, Paddy McCartan obviously took his opportunity in this first game with Melican out with concussion. We think that's what it was. Um, looked very comfortable in defence with his younger brother. Uh, his intercepting and read of the ball is elite, and much has been spoken about him by now. Um, after game two, which we'll get on after this. But, yeah, I just think even from even from that first game, he looked very, very good there. Um, I've had some robust debate online with Swans fans saying there's just no way that he's going to play in defence and he's not going to play round one. But, hey, it's looking pretty different now. Um, Petey Laddams uh, looked busy chopping out for Hickey, obviously, uh, mostly forward, kicked two uh, goals, both quite impressive. Uh, the first one in particular, they replayed that about a thousand times on the broadcast. But he, he's got a very nice left kick um, and a, a very deft touch for a big man. So it's some exciting signs there from him. Um, lastly, even though he didn't blow me away, I, I thought that Stevens, still Stevens in general, uh, is looking bigger, he's looking fitter, if that's possible. He's looking like he's going to be able to hold his own in the contact more and, and hopefully contest a bit more this year. Um, obviously, his elite running was on show again with huge two-way transitions. So some positive signs there from Dill for me. Over to you, steve 
Can you guess what I'm going to say? I mean, you know, because you can see the run sheet, but it's it's no surprise. I knew it was going to. I was going to say about him as well, but I was like, no, nah, Steve is going to talk about him. But it's definitely oh, arrow. That's the one. Um, oh, he was great, wasn't he? I mean, mm. he really asserted himself on the game. He played some forwards, some wings, some midfield. He was in a few centre bounces, and I mean, he uses the ball beautifully. He gets himself in good spots. He's got this beautiful economical kicking action, which, you know, I, every single time you get to slow him down a bit, he's great to watch kick. And I really think, you know, he's only a second-year player, and he missed a chunk of games last year, what, five or six games or something? And I think he can go from a great rookie year, where he was definitely the best from his draft who played last year. Um, didn't win the Rising Star, but there were some older ones who, who were ahead of him for that. This could be a real statement year. I think he can be an outstanding player already by the back half of the season. Yeah, no, I mean, he's um, definitely tracking that way, yeah. Yeah, so I've, I've talked all about Errol, but I'm allowed to talk about two more. So um, <laughs> Chad Warner, I thought he was really good. And and honestly, before the game, I thought he was maybe a bit on the fringes, kind of fighting for a spot. And and now he looks like a lock for round one. I think he's just so damaging the way that he cuts through the lines. And I was thinking about this, and I was chatting with my brother about it, actually, and we both sort of agreed on it, that we're probably um, – we're probably thinking of Warner that we got back at the late part of last season when he'd had an injury layoff and he was sort of getting himself back into it. And that's the Warner that I was thinking was maybe on the fringes. I'd forgotten about the Warner who broke through the centre against Richmond and shrugged the tackle and kicked the goal from the from the 50 arc. <laughs> I'd forgotten we had that bloke. And that was the guy who was playing um, in the preseason. So so Chad Warner was, was my other favourite, from the seniors at least. And then from the reserves game, I mean... Um, this isn't a best on ground or anything. I don't think he was among the best, but um, Robert's number 34 for those um, those who were seeing the reserves. And if you see him going around, um, young Matt Roberts has come from South Australia. I was just really excited with the way that he moved and how calm he is when he gets the football. He looked like he's ready to, to be playing seniors, I think, already. Like I'd, I'd be surprised if he doesn't play some AFL this year. Yeah, I mean, we um, we went into a bit of depth at the time when we took him and um, you quoted his uh, state league qu- coach, I think, and um, a lot of people had knocked his um, aerobic ability. But um, I mean, the coach said he does numbers like Travis Boke or whatever. And I, I thought like he's kind of a stocky young guy, but he covers the ground so well. And as you say, yeah, he's got he, he's one of those players who, who seems to have time on his hands. Um, mm. I, I also thought that Gussie Sheldrick did a few nice things. And yeah, and, and awesome. I also thought maybe depending on where they go, we'll look at teams, um, possible teams later on, but um, that he could have been a smoky for Papley. But anyway, yeah, we'll uh, probably not looking like that just yet. But um, yeah, cheers for that, Seva. All right, so um, we'll just list the did not plays. So obviously they rested Cal Mills for that first game. Joel Amati uh, was out. Melikin was out. Sheeda was out. Corey Warner was out. And Naismith, who we'll talk about later on. And obviously the injury from that game is uh, Tommy Papley, massive loss. So all right, well, that was that one. Let's move on to game two. And this is the official Amy preseason community match <clears throat> against North Melbourne, excuse me, at the Giant Stadium in Sydney, uh, Sunday the 6th of March. Obviously, very glad to have Mills back in the team. I was I was actually pleasantly surprised to see he was announced as playing. Um, very happy to hear he made it through the game. But yeah, he he looked he looked pretty good doing his sort of thing. Um uh yeah, very, very stoked to see him. So um Look, I think we took a while to get into the game. Obviously, the ruse started well, had some good pressure early. But once we worked in, it was basically us the whole way. Um, and we went one by, what, 30 points or something in the end. Um, McLean and McDonald both played. Um, obviously, they rested Buddy. Um, but they, I think they both played better than they did in game one. But for me, it was hard to say who, which of the two had the better game. Um, so I think, and we'll touch on this later, um, I think this is 
that's probably the position that's going to one of these two guys is going to probably miss out. So um, we have quite a tall team at the moment and tall depth. So, yeah, I think that's the squeeze position. Um, and they're my general thoughts. How about you, mate? Yeah, I think you're right. There's lots of pressure on that final tall forward spot and there's quite a backlog of guys who are who are trying to get it. Um, look, I, I was just glad to get through with no more injuries, especially after what happened to Papley in the first game. And and then I was really pleased to see some of these sort of newer generation players playing well. So these sort of like, you know, under 21, under 22, I thought they all put in some really good efforts and didn't rely on the senior players so much. I mean, Franklin didn't play. Kennedy's got a new role. Rampy wasn't as prominent. So it was really nice to see some of these younger ones step up. Um, look, it wasn't the easiest game to watch. <laughs> it wasn't great standard <laughs> football, but, you know, we don't expect that at this time of the year. Um, when the Swans did manage to get it on their terms, I think they showed that with their game style, they'll play some really good football this year, which was um, which was promising. And, and again, like I said with the first one, it's it's really hard to see anyone who didn't feature in this game, um, besides probably Franklin and Laddams, in the mix to play round one. And I'm not counting the three who came on very late. So Ronk, Roberts and uh, McAndrew, who all came on really late. I, I think that there's a, there's a there's a core group of about 25 that the 22 and a half will come from for mm. two weeks from now. Yeah. I did love the look of Stretch, though, laying some big rugby union mm, tackles. Yeah. I thought he's a really he exciting, good. yeah, really um, good prospect for the future. All right, let's get on to our best three for this game. So I'm going to kick off. I think we do have one similar player. We just both have to talk him. We may as well both talk about him as I shout him out, Steve-O. Um, Jazzy McInerney was just unreal. Uh, just getting a stack of the ball, using it with really high efficiency, two-way gut running and kicking goals. It's just, I think he's really shaping up to have a, a massive season and probably the guy that fills that Dawson void. Um, there's probably a mix of them, but he might be the front runner at the moment. Is that how you saw it? Oh, look, he was fantastic, wasn't he? And yeah, I mean, losing Dawson hurts, but if this guy, McInerney, can keep improving his game and, and become a a dominant player in the AFL. He's only 21 years old. He was mm. eligible for the Rising Star just last year. Um, that at least takes a bit of a sting off. I mean, you can't replace a player like Dawson. He's, he's a very, very good player. But someone like um, like McInerney, really growing, can can certainly help. And interesting, you talked about two-way running. And and that's something that I, I definitely envy you guys um, in, in Australia who can or in Sydney who can go to watch the games live because it's something which never really shows up so well on the TV. So I would love to get to a game at some point. Um, and be able to watch how, how someone like McInerney runs or like Heaney runs, because these elite players, they really, really run up and down, up and down, up and down. And that's that's where they they really excel a lot of the time, not just their skill level, but his ability to run. And you can see it in the way he collects the ball and transitions. So, yeah, great game. Yeah, and you saw it in that goal, like he was working working hard out of the centre square and then pushed, pushed hard and hard and hard when he probably didn't have to and worked really, really hard got on the end and uh, kicked a lovely goal as Juzzy mm. does. But Steve, I'll have to talk to some of the, the boys and we'll put together the two-way running report for you. And um, we'll, <laughs> yes, uh, we'll, we'll give you some inside goss of who's doing the hard yards. But yeah, it's definitely yeah. going to be like the likes of of the Heat, as you, as you just mentioned, Heaney and uh, and Juzzy leading from the front. But all right, I'll get on to my second two. I thought Rowie really stepped up um, after a, a, a pretty quiet game against GWS. Uh, like he had a couple of really nice spins in and out of contact against the Giants, but then really wasted the ball, I thought. And I thought, oh, geez, he's started with a, a you know, he's either lacking confidence or he's a bit rusty or feeling the pressure of, of, of the depth that we've got. But I thought he really stepped up in this game against the Ruse and, and he was, you know, he was ferocious in the contest. He set the tone for the for our tackling efforts in the wet. 
And I think he's probably that guy who's going to, who's going to, you know, if if there's a role that's going to be given out, um, a run with role, a tagging role, a defensive mid role, that's going to be Rowie, obviously with Hewitt um, heading off to Carlton at the end of last season. So I see that happening with Rowie and I'm, I'm bullish about it and I'm hopeful that he can string together some performances because he's obviously uh, one of our young leaders and, yeah, really, uh, really promising player. Um, along with McInerney, as we mentioned a second ago, I thought Blakey was really active off the halfback. Had a few really good moments, uh, line-breaking play um, and a couple of beautiful inside 50 kicks to targets. I um, can't remember who it was now, but I think it did end and ended in a goal, the one I'm thinking of. But, yeah, Lizard just looked looked pretty active. Uh, he was a bit quiet in the first game as well, and so it was good to see him um, step it up and hopefully uh, some exci- more exciting things to come this year. Yeah, actually, I agree with you on Robotum too. Um, just, just quickly, I think... He's one that I've been a bit unsure on, especially since he he was out of the side last mm. year. They couldn't get back in. He was stuck out. I was like, oh, what's what's going to happen with him? Because we got so many good young midfielders coming through, and I was afraid that he might be one that would be squeezed out. Mm. And I'd be disappointed if that was the case because I really like the way he goes about playing his footy. Mm. Um, and I think you I think you're spot on. Like, there's that role that um, that Hewitt has left open, and also I guess with um, with Kennedy, if he's going to be spending less time on the inside, getting knocked around. Mm. Um, Hopefully, Robotum can be that one who steps in and gets to play that sort of more crash and bash in an under midfield role and, and feed it out to all the elite muters we've got. We've got we've got like twenty guys on the squad that have got beautiful kicks. Mm. If Robotum could just feed it to them, he doesn't have to be a beautiful kick as well. I guess we can we can That's forgive true. him that weakness. Yeah. Um, and then. Yeah, but not everyone can be can be like the best kick in the comp. No, they? that's right. Yeah, and you need yeah. you need those guys to dish it out. You need those like for want of a better term, that the halfbacks of rugby union. You just got to mm. feed it feed it out to the users and crack on. So yeah, he seems yeah. to really relish that, and hopefully, yeah, he can put it together this year because um, yeah, it'd be exciting. Yeah, so so fingers crossed he can have a really good year. Um, and then yeah, Isaac Heaney. I mean, he stood out. You kicked four yeah. goals. You got probably fifteen something touches in. In a, in a preseason match. And look, I really hope this is the year that he shows the rest of the AFL just how good he is and that he should be considered in the same sentence as, you know, your Nat Fives and Bontempelli and Dustin Martin, Oliver, these sort of elite players. I think he belongs among them. He just needs to put together a solid 20-plus game season of good footy and he'll be elevated to that level. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, which is, which is where he belongs because he's a very good footballer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one, Peyton McCartan, again, like, like with Roberts before, not necessarily my best three for the game, but just really, really great to see him out there playing and forcing the coaches, coaches to pick him round one. I mean, I'd, I'd pick him. I've got him locked in. Yeah. in one of those two key tall positions alongside his brother. So so good on him for the mm-hmm. for the comeback that he's on the way to making. And let's let's hope he's out there in two weeks. Well that's it. Hey, like he um he's really he he he's basically forced the issue. Like he you know a lot of people, a lot of Swans fans were like umming and ahhing, weren't quite sure what he's you know, maybe he was depth, maybe he wasn't. Surely he's not gonna you know, have any impact, but yeah, he's clearly come in. He can clearly play like he's a very, very gifted player. Um, and they just look good down there, don't they, Tommy and Patty? Like they're just, they're very, mm. they just seem very symbiotic. Like they, um, yeah, they can read each other. They, they sort of know each other obviously well as brothers and it, yeah, it's looking good. But, you know, it's great having someone like Melican who's a solid, you know, that one-on-one. Um, I know some Swans fans don't, don't rate him, but I, I think he's a pretty solid, um, you know, performer and obviously Horse likes him. So it's good to, 
to again have this depth that we're creating. Just back on Heaney, we'll obviously talk about him uh, a bit later on, sign that massive contract extension. So, yeah. Um, and it, you think about uh, Melbourne in his draft year, Melbourne uh, placed a bid on him. And then obviously we covered it and took him in 18, but they also took Christian Petrarca that year, who obviously just won the. Uh, the Norm Smith and a premiership. So, uh, yeah, I think he, I'm, I'm with you, Steve. I'm hopeful that he can be start to be spoken in those, um, you know, in that light with those uh, big game changing players. So fingers crossed he has a big season there. Okay. So those that didn't play were just for clarity were Laddams, Amadi, Melican, Sheeda, Corey Warner and Naismith again. Uh, and as we've touched on no injuries, fantastic. Have you got anything else there, Steve? Yeah, I'm curious as to this concept of the, um, we chatted about this before, but this community series, right? So the idea, at least as I understand it, is this is the two weeks of the year where they, they get out to all the different areas apart from the capital cities and they, they sort of spread footy and they give people outside the major cities a chance to watch some like AFL level footy, albeit a preseason game, but still. Um, I went and did a count and of 18 preseason matches, 15 of them were in capital cities and or established AFL venues with a game in Albury, one game in Devonport, Northern Tasmania, and one game in the Gippsland. I was a bit confused as to what exactly the purpose of this community series round is then, I suppose. I thought, especially after the COVID stuff, now that things are more open, the idea was, you know, to, to go and reward all of the all of the fans around the country, but I guess they rewarded the fans in in the major cities and they didn't turn up. <laughs> there was no one on most of the games. <laughs> yeah, they could have had the same thing uh, out um, yeah, in the, in the region. So yeah, it's uh, it was interesting because they in the past they've been pretty good with that, but yeah, this year they, yeah. they were not very good with that, were they? So, oh uh, look, you know, I think yeah, you were saying earlier off air off air that um, Albury is basically Victoria heartland, um, you know, regional regional country. I mean, it's not. It's in obviously New South Wales, yeah. but yeah, like AFL heartland for sure. AF, yeah. Sorry, yeah, AFL heartland yeah. is treat, treated like that. So you know, there was a fairly big crowd there because there's a lot of a lot of diehard footy fans there. But yeah. Yeah, it was a curious one, and um, I think you mentioned uh, much earlier that in the past they'd have uh, more games in the preseason. You know, they might have two games of the official um, Amy Community Series. So maybe cutting it down to just that one plus that unofficial practice match meant that uh, you know the potential locations got you know they missed out, which is a shame. But I guess there's that trade-off between you know not playing too many games and um, you know, playing enough so that you're ready to hit the hit the, hit the ground running in round one. But uh, anyway, let's see how we go. Um, obviously, there's Swans fans all around the country, and uh, we're stoked for that and by that. But uh, all right, Steve, we're going to get on to our best 22 for round one. So this is um, right, my, yeah. my my position has certainly morphed after game one and game two. Um, but I think we'll just we'll talk about the game 2 version which is actually 100% the same as yours so i'll pass the conch over to you mate and you can uh, read it out on on the on like for both of us and we'll just have a general chat after that Okay, so we've got the same team. Interesting. Yeah, I, I changed a couple of my thoughts based on the second preseason game as well. Um, yeah. But from yeah. the back line, I, I reckon, and, and this this isn't necessarily what the Swans, I think, might do, but this is what I would like because there's a couple of yeah. choices in here which are based on um on players I'd like to see more from. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so honestly, there's about probably 17 or 18 that I reckon are locked in, and then the rest of them, I have no idea what Longmire and Co are going to do with them, to be honest. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so from the back line, I reckon Lloyd, um, Paddy McCartan, Rampy, Cunningham, Tom McCartan, and Blakey on the half back line, and then across the center, McInerney and Florent on the wings, and Callum Mills, fingers crossed, in the center. 
Um, half forward line. This is the forward lines where it gets a bit more up in the air, I guess. I think mm. most people would agree on on those first nine that I've read out. Um, half forward line, Hayward and Goulden on the flanks. And then I've got McDonald at centre half forward, um, mm. young Logan McDonald. Then in full forward line, this is also a bit unsure. Franklin at full forward is obvious, but then um, Wicks and Laddams uh, in the forward pockets. And then Ruckman, Tom Hickey, uh, Luke Parker and Heaney on the ball. And then on the bench, we've got Josh Kennedy, Campbell, Rowbottom, Warner, and then Stevens, very, very unlucky 20-man sub. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely, mate. So I had... I, so after the first game, I actually had McLean starting in that in that forward line, and then had McDonald on the bench, and Campbell, uh, sorry, um, Stevens, at, on the interchange. But then seeing that they're persisting with Kennedy in the back line, which was a little bit of a surprise for me, but you know, not really if you think about the the where he's at in his career. They're doing Scott Pendlebury's doing it in Collingwood at the moment, so it's not uncommon. I think Jared McVeigh also played. Um, on the the back the halfback um, in the in the latter years of his uh, career, so it's not you know totally uncommon, but yeah, I just think there's that there's a sort of a log jam that sort of starts in that that forward half, isn't it? And we're really there's a lot of pressure there on um, getting a spot. Now, as as we've touched on, we're, we're quite tall now, so with the injection of Laddams, who obviously chops, he's a legitimate ruck in his own right, but he's a a very handy uh, you know key forward as well. So we've got. Laddams and Buddy, we've got Hickey, um, we've got the two McCartan boys that are pretty tall and who I'm missing out on there. I think that's about it. So we're covered for height, right? And then Rowey stepping up in that game too sort of, yeah, made me think that he's he's got to come in. And I mean, I had him after game one, but I wasn't as confident. But after game two, I think, yeah, he deserves that spot. But yeah, just Dill Stevens a bit unlucky there, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. And then the other one who's sort of on that, on that sort of question mark area is Campbell. But I just think watching those first two preseason games, it was very clear that they were playing Campbell in a role through the back line and like mm. across half back and then, and then pushing up. So I just think that he seems to have a more clearly established role mm. in the 22 than Stevens does, even though Stevens played, played pretty well. Um, yeah. But, but the midfielders in general, I don't think there's as much, we don't have as much midfield depth. We have a lot more depth. If you think the depth lines, I've just made a couple of notes. Our backline depth line of people who didn't get picked in this twenty-three, we've got Millican, Fox, and then Gould, mm. um, and you know we can we can talk about him for ages in terms of what may or may not happen with him, given the state of the side, um, and then <coughs> excuse me, and then forwards we've got McLean missing out, Reed missing out, and um, and I'm going to say his name wrong. <laughs> Amati party, mate. Amati party. party. I have to remember Amati yep. party. I keep wanting to say Ash party, party, Amati party. Yep. Ash party, Amati party. She did well, didn't she? Winning that unreal tournament. Yeah, killed it. Um, but then, so that's that's two very strong depth lines for the the defenders and the forwards. But then, mm. um, and remembering that Papley's missing from this team as well, yeah. so he'll come back for someone. Mm. Um, he's definitely back in as soon as he's fit. But then the midfielders, we have Stevens 23rd and then the rest of the midfield depth in terms of people who I think are probably going to play realistically in the first half of the coming season. Mm. We've got Bell, O'Reardon, Sheldrick and Roberts. So that's that's much thinner depth in the mids mm. than we have in those other positions. The forward line logjam in particular is, is tough because there's not that many spots mm. available mm. for talls mm. and we've mm. got some good ones. 
Yeah, I'd probably have O'Reardon in the in the defensive mix just because he's played off the halfback. But yeah, he could easily go go forward as well, and he, he might be uh, prime for that as well. But yeah, just on Reed, obviously a lot of people. There's he, he's such a divisive um, player at the moment. You know, there's the old fan favourites, the 2012 era Reed, who showed so much potential, and then those who are just you know calling for blood really. And I, I don't think it needs to be that extreme. But he yeah he, he couldn't catch a cold against the Ruse, unfortunately. Like he was presenting, but he just couldn't clunk any and. If he'd caught half of those ones he dropped, he'd, he'd probably have kicked three goals or something. But again, look, he's he, yeah. I don't think he's in our best twenty-two. He's probably in our best yeah twenty thirty players at least. But it's just fantastic to have someone of his quality as a depth player there on the fringe. Um, I do feel sorry for Amadi in a sense, and I think he's got a groin injury coming back from a groin. But he, I think he showed some real signs last year. I think for the future, if we can keep these young players, we're going to have such a good core team because you think the likes of you know. Buddy's going to have to eventually retire. We'd love for him to go on forever. But, you know, and then, you know, Sinclair's going to drop out. Um, Reed's going to drop out. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've got on Hickey Will too at some point, you know. So you've got Laddams and Stretch in the middle. You've got, or sorry, you've, yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to play it, but you've got you've got to fit Amadi in there somewhere because if you've got McLean and McDonald up front and both McCartans up back, I would like the Swans to find a spot. Well, I'd like Amadi to work hard to, you know, force his hand or their hand. But, um, yeah, the point is we've got some really good depth. We're looking good. Um, so where all this is headed is a question, Steve, I think I'll ask you. And I, I think a lot of Swans fans are have been wondering, do you think this looks like a team that can actually challenge for the flag this year, given how we went last year? Can we back it up? And is this the team to do that? Yeah, I mean, if you look just... If you just look at the players that we've listed that are not in the senior team, that already says that there's a very strong um, list of you know 22 to 25 players. When we're talking about guys like like Milliken and Fox and McLean and Reed and Amadi and Stevens and Bell and O'Reed, and these are all players who are proven capable at AFL level. Mm. Um, that's a very very strong basis, and and I'm 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 very much on the side of. Um, positive towards Sam Reed, by the way, for the, mm-hmm. for the record. I, yeah. I, I think he's a very good player. I mean, he didn't have his best game, but, you know, sometimes you drop a few marks. I'm not too bothered by that. And he can mm. he can cover in the backs as well. Yep. If one of those talls goes down, then he can easily slot in there. So, mm. so well, that, yeah, I think that's a very good, you know, best 30 or so players. And premiership, I don't know, but I certainly think that we can get into the top four. Like, that's a good enough team to get in the top four. They only missed mm. the top four on percentage last year. You know, mm. um, so so that's where you need to be if you want to try and win a premiership is the top four, and it's going to come down, I think, to how much improvement comes from the under twenty fives. You know, we know what we're going to get from the older ones, and some of them are being gradually, um, I guess, cycled into different positions like Rampy and um, and Kennedy in particular, and then Franklin with time and and Hickey, as you said. So so I think that they're going to get high quality out of their high quality players if that younger group can perform there's no reason why they can't be a, a decent contender in the top four mm, yep I, I share your sentiment mate i just also lastly want to flag um florent uh, we so we both got him locked in on that wing and he's obviously um you know he's at that point in his career where yeah, i think everyone's waiting for him to break out and break out but you know, at times you question his decision making and 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 all that sort of stuff. I think it was pretty quiet, a little bit like Rowie after game one. Second game sort of came into it, and I think it's possible that he could be the one that, you know, if Dill Stevens just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing in the VFL, 
he could be that one that potentially slips out. I know that's a bit of a big call, but I'm just going to flag it here. And if it happens, you heard it here first. But yeah, I just, I think Florent, it's all in his control, you know, um, whether he keeps that spot. But if he, if he does slip and, and show a bit of inconsistency, then I think he might be one of the ones to, uh, to, to lose his spot. But anyway, yeah, all right. Yeah, right, so- yeah, on Florent, actually, while mm, we're talking about mm, him, mm. Um, I, I think he's one that we probably have maybe got a... Sh- it's probably time with Florent to now shift expectations. I mean, he was drafted in the first round. So it was mm. like, what, pick 14 or 15 or 16 13, or something. Yeah, yeah, pick, yeah so, so relatively high draft pick. And I think that brings a level of expectation. And so we're expecting him to, to break out and be a star. And maybe that's just not going to happen. But what he what he will be is a is a very solid role player, like like a strong mm. B grade level footballer. And and that's fine. I mean, we can't we can't afford to have twenty two um, grade A players in the team. So so what he brings to the team might just be you know a, a player who plays his role every week and doesn't necessarily um, stand out. Mm. And but like you said, there's going to be competition. At the same time, we're looking at the squad that's only really got one injury. Mm. It's not going to be that often during the season that we're going to have only one player yeah, missing, which is Papley. Yep. So chances are, if Florence fit, he's going to play, and yep. so Stevens. You know, both of them will. Yeah. Um, they're row bottom. All these sort of fringe midfielders that are already in that best twenty-five. Yeah. They're probably going to play most games at their fit. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Just a yeah. correction. It was 2016 draft year, and he was pick eleven. So pick eleven. Uh, yeah. So it's a yeah. high pick. Yeah. He's a high. He's our but, first round draft pick. Draft yeah. pick that year. Yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 good, and he's a he's a very good, he's a very good player. But yeah, he's not he's not looking like a, a McInerney or anything. Yeah. But but you know he's one of those ones where I talk about improvement from that sort of under twenty five ish group. Mm. If we can get a really really solid role playing season out of him, you know, there's no reason that we can't improve on last year. Last year we made the finals. Mm. This year, you know, try and win a final, win a couple, and you're in a prelim, and you're you're a game away from a grand final. So yeah, there's the squad to do it. The players, when you look at the list, it's a good list. Yeah. Very excited, and I think most Swans fans are too. So, fingers crossed, mate. All right, let's have a quick look at the fixture. Well, we've done a little bit of analysis here, helped by the, uh, the AFL guys, obviously. But of the top eight teams from last year, we, we're playing the Western Bulldogs, GWS, and Essendon each twice. Of the rest of the top eight, we have two away games, so Melbourne and Port Adelaide, and two home games, Geelong in round two and and Brisbane Lions. Um, of the rest of the teams that, that placed 9th to 18th last year, we placed St Kilda, who came 10th last year, uh, North Melbourne, who are obviously wooden spooners. We play them each twice. And then we play West Coast, Fremantle, Carlton and Hawthorne away and Rich, Richmond, Adelaide, Gold Coast Suns and Collingwood at home. And going by the, the, the AFL Journos rating system, we actually have the equal eighth easiest fixture fixture and the easiest of all top eight teams so coupled with what we're talking about with um, having a pretty good looking squad and and solid depth plus a a fairly decent run in the fixture yeah it could come together Um, Mm. you got any comments there on the fixture steve Giants and Essendon twice out of the finalists, plus the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs made the grand final, but let's discount them. Giants and Essendon, both of those are sides which not everyone is convinced will make the finals. They're they're ones who are on that edge, probably. Mm. That is a good fixture, really. I mean, it's fair enough, Mm. too. If we came, what, seventh or eighth or something, like we we didn't win the first week of the final, so we finished Mm. seventh or eighth. And so fair enough that we should get an easier fixture than the top six. Um, 
yeah, I, I hadn't looked at that, but yeah, if, if we can bank some points against those teams, then, you know, we, we could be looking at another, you know, hopefully 15 plus win season. So let's say um, here, Steve, the silver lining of the one point loss is that our fixture is slightly easier than what it could have been. Because if you remember, we actually finished sixth at the end of the home and away, but we only missed out on the top four by percentage. So, um, you know, if we had gotten through and we played someone and we got in a win, then our fixture, we'd probably be playing a few more um, tougher teams. So this is the silver lining, I think. But um, which means the conditions are looking, they're looking positive. So Yeah, because they do it. Isn't it that it's like the way that they allocate the fixture, it's based on six team brackets. So the top six get put into a box yeah. and then the next six and the next six. So we just missed that top six. So we get a, a marginally easier fixture at least. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, I think you uh, you got something to say about the Ds here, mate. <laughs> yeah, because I was never on the demon train and I'm still not. Um, <laughs> because the one good thing to come out of all of this also is that we get to cheer against a team for the first time. We've never been in this situation, not that I can remember, where we've had a first round draft pick tied to the performance of another team since this future draft pick trading. But this year we do because we get Melbourne's first round draft pick so the lower down the ladder that Melbourne come, the better pick. If Melbourne comes last, we get pick one. So let's all let's all hope that they have a chaotic season and and all sorts of premiership hangover problems, and we pinch a top pick. I, I went back through the past couple of years, and I'm pretty sure it was the Eagles who finished. I think it was tenth in 2019 after that that huge flag win against the um, the Pies in 2018. So let's hope, yeah, they uh, slip down to ten, and then we get. Um, yeah, that hydro. So it was obviously wrapped up in that Dawson trade because um, mm, yeah. Adelaide were, were just negotiating with us in in very good faith, weren't they? So um, yeah, it was it was remarkable. <laughs> bastards. Anyway, um, all right, mate. fair enough. That's, that's their job, you know. Their, their job is to get the best outcome, and they sure did. <laughs> yeah, Dawson hasn't played any um, preseason games at the moment. I think they're um, they've got him. Yeah, he's hurt, isn't he? He's, yeah, he hurt himself? he's not right. I think there's something wrong yeah. with him, but. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd have to it'd have to be something wrong with you if you wanted to leave the Swans, but um, and go I, and play for. I mean, come on, let's let's think about. I mean, he must have been homesick because yeah. this is a team that could hopefully get a flag in the next three to four years, maybe. And the Crows look like they'll be lucky to get in the finals in the next three to four years. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Let's it wasn't see. a it wasn't a football decision necessarily. I guess it must have been family or something. Yeah, yeah I think property is a bit cheaper in Adelaide as well, mate. Um, <laughs> Hey, in other recent news, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll work towards a, a, a conclusion of this pod, this first podcast of the year. So obviously, a bit of this is old, but we'll touch on it anyway. So Heritage v uh, Guernsey, to be worn at all Melbourne games going forward. Awesome news. Steve-O, how about you? Yeah, great. Um, good initiative. Happy to see that. It's a cool jersey too. It looks really nice. Yeah, awesome. Okay, contracts, um, Rampy, Golden, and Heaney all extended. Um, Rampy, one year, Golden, two, I think, Two or three, two, I think, and then Heaney with that huge six-year extension. Um, there's news of a four-year deal um, reported, or it's meant to have been tabled for Logan McDonald. Waiting to see what happens there. Um, other Swans coming out of contract that are, are in the priority, um, or you could call a priority, are Franklin, Kennedy, Lloyd, Cunningham, Florent, McInerney, McDonald, Paddy McCartan, Sinclair, Bell, Reed, Fox, and McAndrew. Steve, who would you fight hardest to keep out of these players? 
Yeah, it's a long list, hey. I mean, a few of them are, a few of them are looking like they'll probably be retiring soon. They're coming towards the end. Um, a couple of others probably won't get new contracts. The ones towards, or some of the ones towards the end of your list, I guess. Um, the two for me is number one McDonald. Like he, he'd be the absolute number one. And I, I hadn't actually seen that they, that report that they'd yeah. tabled a four-year deal to him. I'd be giving it to him right away. I think that's great. I think he's he's definitely needs to be locked in because. I mean, McInerney is great. Don't get me wrong. I really like him. And he's he's shown that he's going to be a very good footballer. But there's a lot more running winger, halfback, midfield types than there are 18-year-old, 19-year-old key forwards who can take a mark and kick a goal like that. Mm-hmm. I'd be putting it all on, on keeping McDonald and then building the forward line around him for the next decade. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, he'd be uh, my I, number one. I think that's her thinking. And I don't know if he's accepted it, though. And he was actually – I don't know if you know this, steve He was – uh, his player management uh, company uh, were the, was the focus of a like a documentary on Stan, and apparently I've, I haven't watched it yet. But um, he was um, so they, he, there's like um, you know moments where his manager's talking to him, uh, Logan McDonald, um, and you know talking about his contract and all the, all that sort of stuff. So a lot of people are a bit confused about like you know you know is it reality or is it like is there a little like an element of you know Hollywood in there, but um, yeah, and and then obviously the other half of it is he's from WA, and then clearly the Eagles are um, at the end of you know Kennedy's, you know in his last year you'd think, and then Darling didn't get vaccinated, so no one knows what's going on there. So yeah, he's he's self removed himself from the AFL player pool. So they've pretty much got uh, Oscar Allen, which is first and second name. It's not a hyphenated last name. Um, the so you know like you could say that there's there's a pretty big gaping hole for him back at home. So I hope that, yeah, if, if four years is not enough, give him five years. I, I don't really mind. Like the guy is going to play. He's going to play very, very well. Um, his kicking style is just beautiful. I think it's poetry in motion. I love it. But, um, yeah, he took that big contested mark against the Ruse as well. So, you know, he's got running, he's got marking, he's got kicking. Yeah, we've got to sign him up. I'm with you. Um, otherwise, I think you'd probably give Franklin another one, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, those those first one you said like Franklin, Kennedy, Lloyd, Cunningham were the first four you listed. I think, yeah. um, all of them, yeah, just extend them on one or two years at a time until they retire. So those ones, I think, are, they're not in risk. They're not like flat risk players, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, like like they'll finish their careers at Sydney in, on whatever terms it happens to be. But then that middle group that you said. Yeah, McInerney, McDonald, yeah. Florent also. Paddy McCartan, I think, is probably yeah, going to stick get around. One. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, and it'll be mm-hmm. like a loyalty signing too. He's not going to go and I think after all the investment and effort the Swans have put in and having his brother there, you can't see him going and, you know, dangling a carrot in front of St Kilda, for example, and saying, sign me. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so, obviously, Sam Naismith, um, Ham Crayfish, he's been placed on the inactive list. His knee is, I think he's had two or three ACLs, unfortunately, and... He's looking like it's probably it might be the end of his career, and um, that's that's a shame because he, he showed a lot of potential and he was obviously our key ruck in 2016. But yeah, um, yeah, sad for Sam. And but you know, it, just looking at the, um, the the positive there is that you've got McLean, Amadi, Sinclair, Reed, and Stretch McAndrew who who are all there and they all become important ruck depth. So you know, um, yeah. A shame for Sam, but yeah, I think the Swans are, are, are covering it. Um, and then there's another five to six players that are coming out of contract, but they're um, probably on that lesser priority uh, list. And we'll talk about that halfway through the year in the buy round when we have that, um, you know, that whole status 
uh, of the list conversation. Um, and that may be a good self, Steve-O, or it may be another guest. But yeah, we'll touch on it uh, in this podcast about halfway through the year. Um, Steve-O, have you got anything, any other general news? Yeah, I wanted to um, to have a quick chat about the AFLW because by the end of this year, like hopefully December 2022, assuming the season starts at the right time as planned, we're going to have a Sydney Swans women's team running around in the AFLW, which is awesome. Um, and it's getting exciting now because getting close to finals, there's only one week of regular season matches to go in the AFLW before finals and their finals will run for three weeks. They play a final six system, which is kind of like the final eight, but they just cut out the elimination finals and jump straight to the top six. Um, and that means that player signings are going to start to happen because um, they need to build a list. They've hired a coach, Scott Gowans. Um, he's previously in the AFLW. He was coach of the North Tasmania Roos, like the North Melbourne AFLW affiliated team, but then lost his job because of COVID cuts. They, they got Darren Crocker to perform a secondary role. Um, within their football department. They couldn't afford to keep him because of the COVID cuts, unfortunately. And then he got a job as an assistant at Collingwood AFLW. So very experienced within the within the system. And, and now he's got to put a list together. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens because the AFLW um, is very much state-based because it's only um, it's semi-professional. So the players are only playing a shortened season. They're not full-time um, players, they have other jobs. So it tends to be players playing in their state of origin, which has meant that, you know, um, Fremantle has been very strong. Adelaide has been very strong. Brisbane has been very strong. And it's, it's maybe made it harder for the Victorians because they've been spread, you know, like over, over eight or 10 teams or eight teams so far. So that means you've got to build a team, um, mostly probably from players within New South Wales, which means a lot of the younger ones are probably going to come in through the Swans Academy. So we're talking very young. And then probably poaching a few from the Giants to, to get some more senior players and, and maybe a couple that they can line up with jobs in Sydney from interstate, but we'll see. So, yeah, very exciting times for the Swans AFLW. Yeah, looking forward to it, mate. That's um, awesome. Uh, very lastly, I think the Royal Hall of Industries is nearing completion um, and the Swans are due to get in there by the end of this year. I've seen a couple of photos. It looks amazing. Have you seen any of the, the pictures, steve I don't remember going there since I was a kid, and this maybe gives away a bit of my age or your age, since we're the same age. But um, <laughs> if I take a few months, you taking me down with you, mate. <laughs> sure. Um, I remember going there to buy show bags at the Easter show. Yeah, and, yeah, same. And I don't remember. I mean, it's probably when when did they move the Easter show out to Homebush? Oh, it was a while, wasn't it? Yeah, it would have. Well, after two thousand, because I think that's yeah. when they started to really pump that precinct. But maybe it's yeah, just, I don't know. Yeah, so it's it's big. But I I remember going there a long time ago to buy buy my show bags. So yeah, interested to see what they do with it. I've I haven't really seen much about it at all. But from what I understand, it's some sort of crossover that's going to be like a, a training facility and some community spaces and like a cafe or a, or a restaurant or something. So it looks interesting at least. Yeah, it looks it looks looks great and. Um... I think there was a bit of a pause because of the COVID stuff, but it's all pushing ahead now. So it'll be, um, yeah, an awesome uh, new bit of infrastructure for this for the for the club to, uh, to to get behind and use. And so it should hopefully just make us uh, stronger uh, as a club um, across the AFL, VFL, AFLW, and our academy programs. So it's all shaping up. All okay, right, so they'll be in there too. So the the, uh, the mm. space for the academy 
kids in there too. That's great. I, I understand. So, so I, yeah. I don't know if they've got a dedicated space, but I th- I, mm. as I understand it, it will be Swans HQ, and so yeah, all cool. of the yeah. the affiliated programs will will to, to varying degrees will be based out of there. And they've got it's. The, I think the training facilities are you know world class. So um, you know, obviously the, the 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 Swans will have the so the AFL team will have that. Um, you know, I think they get priority there, but then you know the AFLW, uh, it's it's their venue as well. So you know they've got the. I saw the locker rooms; they look awesome. Um, mm, so yeah, it's, nice. it's just exciting times for the club, I think. But um, hopefully, we can all put it together on the field, mate. Um, all right. Well, uh, if you've got nothing else, um, I'll no. see us out. Okay, mate. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of the episode. On behalf of the bevy, I'd like to say thank you very much to everyone listening in. Tune in again on Thursday night for our team selection reaction vid and preview posts. Otherwise, make make sure to keep following us on Instagram and Facebook at A Bevy of Bloods for updates and announcements. Until then, up the bloods and can you swanies? Swan.